It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. And welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Reg Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, as always, with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Last month, the Georgia Partnership for Excellence in Education presented its 16th edition of Top 10 Issues to Watch report. This year's report considers the educational progress Georgia has made over the past decade and how we're preparing for, are you ready, 2030. Commissioners, you know, it's not just a report card on education today, but also economic development and meeting the demand for skilled workers in the future. Yeah, the Top 10 Issues is a great report, and the partnership does a tremendous amount of research and work to really highlight for policymakers, governor, the legislature, agency heads, what's important and what we should be paying attention to. So we look forward to it every year. We really do. It's almost like the start of the new year. You ring That's in the right. New you know year, it's coming. And here come the Top 10 Issues. <laughs> you know Dana's been working on so, it beforehand. Uh, yeah. but. <laughs> Dana didn't have a Christmas or a New Year's or any of the holidays, just as you was busy working on this top 10 issues to watch and uh, Dr. Dana Rickman is vice president of the Georgia Partnership for Excellence in Education and Dr. Robert Gaines is director of communications guys welcome to the podcast Thank you. thanks for having us we're really excited let's find out a little bit about you guys before we delve into the report Dana I know you've been with GPEE for a while now what's your background prior to that uh, my background prior, I was uh, trained actually as an econometrician. Got my PhD at Georgia State. Wow. Panther Pride. Yeah, yeah. me too. Absolutely. Uh, and I worked uh, on a bunch of actually early learning evaluations as a faculty researcher there for many, many years. And then I transitioned over and worked for the Annie E. Casey Foundation here in Atlanta and then came to the partnership in 2011. Mm-hmm. I've been here a good long time. Okay. Yeah, focusing now on state level policy. I'm trying to say that word again econometrician. I love data. Okay. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, the rest of the partnership staff reins me in whenever we yeah. <laughs> have to do a presentation. And we'll point out for our listeners, our decal listeners in particular, you are very good personal friends with a gentleman by the name of Dr. Bentley Ponder. Yes, actually, Dr. Ponder and I were. Um, we met at Georgia State when we were in grad school, and we worked on a lot of these early learning studies together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we came up through the ranks that way. He's a fellow data. Uh, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> What's the term I'm looking for? I want to say nerd, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he's into that. We love a good pie chart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I love about both of y'all is you can bring it to life, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's rare. A lot mm-hmm. of times statisticians as such or data people have a hard time kind of communicating that, but y'all do a great job. Robert, you're relatively new mm-hmm. to GPEE. Tell us yeah. about yourself. So I've been with the partnership almost two years now, formerly with the Georgia Leadership Institute for School Improvement. Uh, Mouthful, so we go by Glissy at the time when I was there. That's how we, uh, they still refer to themselves. Background is in education policy, uh, Atlanta native, and just kind of found my way into communications work. Love it. And uh, really enjoy the education landscape in Georgia and just contributing to the conversation. Atlanta native, so yeah. there you go. Yeah. Are you an Atlanta native, Dana? No, I'm no. a military brat. Military. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're a native of Atlanta. Yes. Well, and so am I. Georgia. Yeah. Atlanta, well, but. You're close <laughs> so that's great. So great background on GPEE. Um, and for some background, uh, it's been around since 1992. Nonpartisan group focused on policy, research, and analysis. You have a board of directors. In fact, Commissioner, you're on the board of directors. 
uh, working in education uh, for the state, several other folks on that. Describe the overall mission, Dana. Or Robert. Yeah, so uh, (laughs) the overall mission of the organization is to engage leaders across sectors in Georgia uh, with the idea of improving education. So we work with legislators, business leaders, uh, mayors, anyone who is uh, invested in education and is in a position to to pull some levers to improve student achievement. We work with those folks, give them good information, uh, research-based information to help them make good decisions for students in Georgia. And this is uh, from early ed right on through Absolutely. Uh, college. Yeah, Correct. post-secondary completion. So we Absolutely. do the whole birth-to-work pipeline. I right. like how they focus on the entire pipeline. I think that's really important, and we appreciate that as mm-hmm. the early learning agency in Georgia. <laughs> so um, talk to us a little bit about how the idea of the top 10 issues report came about. Was it a David Letterman copy? Like, Because <laughs> well, he's famous for that. He, so. he is, and we did, in fact, steal it, uh, though not from David Letterman. We had, there was, we're part of a sort of an organization of like-minded organizations across the Southeast called the Columbia Group, and there was, there was a group similar that does similar work to ours in North Carolina and at that time back in this was our 16th edition so Mm -hmm. 17 years ago they did a top 10 issues Mm -hmm. report and so we thought that was really interesting and so we sort of pulled it from from there and we think that the reason though we keep doing it is that we offer a unique perspective on these things because as Reg as you mentioned we are nonpartisan. like Mm -hmm. we don't have an ideological agenda that we're pushing that's really just based on the research and especially over the past decade education policy has become really partisan based Mm -hmm. and so we thought if we could provide nonpartisan research to sort of inform the debate and inform the general public this 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 edition is used for from everything from as you mentioned state leaders but also education policy classes and PTA and parents trying to understand what do these policies mean we think that we have a sort of an obligation to really just lay out the facts of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and kind of what we think we need to be done. And so that's why we continue to do it. Mm-hmm. And funny side note, the North Carolina organization stopped doing their top 10. They have recently started it again uh-huh. based on the success of ours. So <laughs> what comes around goes around. That's fair those, play. Yeah. Was, wait a minute. Maybe we should keep going. It <laughs> yeah. sounds like it's a, a going thing. Any other states that you're aware of that do something similar to this? Uh, you know, I think Tennessee has sort of a state of the state kind of report, mm-hmm. but uh, not that I'm aware that go into such detail in each of the 10 issues. Some may argue we put a little too much detail into <laughs> this, uh, so I'm happy to announce that uh, one of the things that Robert brings to us is that he, he does do one-page summaries. Uh, of each I of like the a 10. one-pager. Yeah, because <laughs> mm, we try to keep them short, but there's a lot of information. Right. These are complicated issues, and right. so we do what we can to make them not so complicated. Right. It's good to have both options there, yeah. <laughs> kind of an executive summary, and yeah. I know Bentley is a fan of that as well. Yeah. So um, that's all good. I will say this from a media standpoint. I've never seen anything so well embraced, and you, the timing is perfect because it's the week before the legislature right. uh, convenes. And so you've got kind of a – not a captive audience, mm-hmm. but you've got an audience that's definitely interested in these topics. Absolutely. And they come over to GPB, right. and um, they bring their laptops. Yep. Some of them are tweeting live right. as it's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Any pressure from that when you're doing an event like that with reporters? Bit. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest challenge I was I was sharing with someone earlier today is that there's so much going on with the session coming up that you've got this robust guest list you're excited about. And the closer you get, people get pulled in other directions. So part of the, the, the challenge is ensuring that you put together a program that's attractive enough every year right. to keep folks coming and ensure that the day of they show up and they're eager and they're excited. And so 
a little bit of pressure, but nevertheless, every year it turns out really well. I used to attend, mm-hmm. and now I'm putting it together. So uh, it's a shift, but a lot of fun nevertheless. Yeah. yeah, this year we were really keeping our fingers crossed that there's no news about, like, the impeachment or anything, because that would have right. taken all of our reporters away, right. because that would have right. trumped yeah. this. <laughs> no we one don't intended. <laughs> one challenge in media today is that they're so shorthanded um, right. that if something like that were to happen, mm-hmm. it could clear a room. Right. Uh, but you're fortunate to and, – and I think it says a lot about the report. They know that there's solid meat here. It's right. not something superficial. And generally, you provide people to answer the questions. So the school superintendent is there mm-hmm. and several other folks. You have elected officials that come in. Right. Remember one year there was an ice storm pending right yep. in the middle of the day, and everybody was, like, weighing the odds of could they get back home okay or not. So, yeah, lots of things going on. Um, so in many ways, it kind of looks like we're headed in the right direction. High school graduation rates at 82% and growing, uh, students scoring above the national average on the ACT, SAT, uh, but we have to balance that with only 40% of the adult population in Georgia has an associate degree. 60% of our K-12 through students come from low-income families. Dana, how should we feel overall? I think overall we should feel good about the progress that Georgia has made, especially over the past decade. Uh, we've put a lot of reforms in place. A DECAL in particular has done a lot of um, systems change work. And to really start, we, we're seeing the needle moving in the right direction across all of these measures that we care about. Um, however, we shouldn't rest on our laurels, and there's still a lot more work to be done. And I think as we sort of go through this issue, you'll, you'll kind of see where some of our uh, opportunities are uh, to continue to do better. And so I think we need to celebrate the hard work we've done so far and the progress we've made. But we really need to keep pushing, especially um, our poverty level has made it really tough to do more change and to get more kids and especially adults reading on grade level, involved in the workforce, involved in economic development. And for us, and this is sort of part of the mission of the partnership, is that education is actually a, an economic development tool. Mm-hmm. You know, and thinking about you know, more people having more access to a bigger pie and Georgia's growing economy, if we, we don't keep pushing in the right direction and address some of the issues that are all of the issues that we've pointed out here, um, we could see an economic tip for us in the wrong direction. Hmm. So before we get into the nitty-gritty of the issues, one more pressing pressing question that I know our listeners are, are going to want to know. Are these issues ranked? Are they in any certain order? They are only ordered in the sense that it makes sense to read them in that way. Okay. Like we talked about, the like we covered the birth-to-work pipeline. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the things that's slightly different about this year's top ten, for those of the listeners who have read the top ten in the past, is usually we just have sort of ten somewhat discrete issues, though all the issues are related. This time we really did it over this unifying theme, and Reggie mentioned this earlier, uh, that you know Southern Regional Education Board did an economic outlook for 2030. They said 1.5 million Georgians will be unemployable by 2030 if we don't do something different. And that's not unemployed. That's unemployable, meaning their skill sets do not match up with the economic opportunities that we have. And so taking a long view, we looked at each of the issues of what changes do we need to do now, both in terms of our immediate needs, but then also what will give us get us ready for 2030 to make sure that that 1.5 million does not become true. And so they're in order from early learning through post-secondary. So thinking about it as you would take an educational journey from, from our littles to our, you know, graduating mm-hmm. with a certificate and getting a, a job and engaging in the economy. Okay. So when we say the number one issue, it's really not the number one issue. It's the it first is thing issue number one. Yeah. <laughs> Comes to mind, first one. So let's go ahead and dive in. Issue one, shifting demographics and Georgia's future. This indicates we're facing a serious challenge in meeting our workforce needs. 
by 2030, as Dana mentioned. Georgia Chamber says top industries in 2030 will be defense, film and tourism, advanced manufacturing, logistics and transportation, healthcare, and still agriculture, actually, a major component of Georgia's uh, economy. Um, and that's kind of pointing to your point. Uh, we've got to be ready for developing this workforce by 2030. Yeah, and just looking at what Georgia's demographics look like, both in terms of, you know, we have an adult population currently in Georgia that is sort of what I would call alarmingly undereducated, where we mentioned only about 40% of our adult population has anything beyond a high school diploma. Uh, we have counties in Georgia where, you know, a third to a quarter of the adult population does not have an high school diploma or is not engaged in the economy at all. And so that's a lot of people that cannot participate currently in the economy, much less 10 years from now. So that's a problem. That's a demographic problem. A lot of these adults that do not have um, higher education levels have children. And we know, you know, from the research, as you guys know, that the, the biggest predictor for reading on grade level, on time by third grade, is mother's education level. It's always the mothers, right? Dads <laughs> totally get off the hook. So we've got sort of this two-generation problem. Also, in terms of the way that our demographics are shifting, our fastest-growing populations are our most needy. Our low-income families, our minority families, they are growing much faster. And so we need to think about the students who traditionally have, unfortunately, been left behind. They're our most vulnerable population, but they're also our majority population. So we really need to think about how do we educate ev not only every student, but every adult as well. And right. so these shifts really impact that, what is 2030 going to look like? Mm -hmm. uh, so issue two uh, is early learning, building toward the future. And re we all know that research continues to show that early childhood education is critical and provides numerous benefits for both students and society. You highlight DECAL and Georgia's pre-K program as two examples where Georgia has made intentional investments in providing high-quality early childhood education, even shout-outs to our growth and quality rated and our early education community partnerships. How did you choose those things? We did a lot. I know you focused really on the growth we saw with our Early Learning Challenge grant. Yeah, and... That was really, really the focus because, again, with this big picture, we were looking at what systems changes did we need to do to get us ready for 2030, and decal. As you, I feel like, Amy, you should really be talking about this one. <laughs> I want to hear your that, perspective. Well, I mean, DECAL has gone through a significant systems change with the benefit from going through the Early Learning Challenge Grant, and there was so much that was done. And now that it has officially sort of ended, we thought it was a good time to t take a step back and re help people understand what were all the big changes that were made because they were significant. And two, were they useful? Are we going in the right direction? And I think everybody can agree that, yeah, that we are in a better place we were in terms of foundations than we were before the grant. Uh, so what does that mean for the future? How do we sustain? How do we expand upon? How do we continue to grow um, these changes? Because it was such a significant shift. Absolutely. Um, and change is hard. So how do we, you know, make sure that change sticks? Well, I can tell you, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely going to stick. You yeah. Know? And I will say, you know, we did a podcast on the Early Learning Challenge again yeah. to reflect on it since, mm -hmm. you know, we felt like, oh, we, we closed this out. We should talk about what we did. Yeah. And we all went around the table and talked about what was the bi biggest impact. And we all said quality rated. Mm -hmm. I mean, to raise the quality of child care in Georgia, where over 2,000 programs are rated um, as of just last week, I believe. I mean, we're making huge progress in raising the quality and we're building upon that policy with our CAPS deadline, where you have to be um, quality rated by the end of this 
calendar year to continue to receive CAPS because we know quality is good for all children, but it's even more beneficial from low-income children who we serve through our CAPS program. So I feel like we are building on that um, that success and that momentum we received through that ELC. And I think what gets lost a little bit, especially as we talk about what a great program is, uh, the Georgia Pre-K program is, which it is, and some of the changes in CAPS and whatnot, but that the focus with the Early Learning Challenge Grant is we're not talking about just serving little kids. We're talking about serving entire families. Like this, right. the, the work that you guys are doing, the, the community approach, the you know the, the certified literate communities, which comes out of the technical college system, but how we're looking at the whole thing. Um, right. And so from our standpoint at the partnership, we, you talked about the sort of the birth to work pipeline. We can see pretty clearly how important your piece is as really a foundational piece mm-hmm. and connects to all the other pieces. And so the way DECAL has, I think, morphed and you all embracing all the other pieces as well. Like that's a big, that's a big yeah, lift. Absolutely. It's changed a lot. It's grown a lot yeah. uh, in the past. I guess what we've been around there for 15 years, uh, mm-hmm. just celebrated 15 years. So the thing I liked about that particular point in the report was Georgia is still one of only three states with mm-hmm. a state agency dedicated to early childhood education. Mm-hmm. Uh, one fell out and a new one came in. I think New Mexico, New Mexico came in. Right. Um, but uh, still one of only three. So that's great. Issue three is literacy, the great equalizer. And here in Georgia, this is still hard to believe, seeing around 53 percent of third graders not reading with proficiency, which presents major challenges as they try to continue their education. As Sandra Deal used to say on a regular basis, you you know, from birth to third grade, you lead to, uh, you learn to read, and then from third on, you read to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still a challenge for us. Absolutely. So one of the things that um, we know is that Georgia's economic growth relies on the state's ability to provide a literate and skilled workforce. So as you have families where the parents don't read well, the children don't read well, and you've got this perpetual cycle mm-hmm. of low literate folks entering the workforce. And so we recognize that if you can get people reading early and if their language skills are developed early on, they're better off uh, as they matriculate through school and they, in the end, are more employable. And we talked about the employability issue we're facing as a state. Um, and they can enter the workforce, make a living, and create a new cycle for their own families. Mm-hmm. Interest of time, we're going to take the next <laughs> six all together and come back and discuss decal applications. Issue five. Principal Leadership, Insulating the Teacher Pipeline. Issue 6, Strong Foundations, Standards, Assessments, and Accountability. Issue 7, Student Success, Barriers Beyond the Schoolhouse. Issue 8, Rural Poverty, Endangering Opportunity. Issue 9 is School to Work, Pathways to Employment. And Issue 10, Beyond the Diploma, Keys to Post-Secondary Success. Um, I'll ask all three of you all, any direct applications to DECAL uh, in those that we might highlight? You know, I, I certainly think so. Um, seven and eight. Seven is student success, barriers beyond the schoolhouse. And this one really looks at what we know, uh, particularly the health barriers to learning. Mm-hmm. And so it's things like everything from asthma to dental pain to mental health, physical health, all of this this kind of stuff. And so in the K-12 space, they're really looking at things like school-based health clinics. Uh, but I know in the early learning space, we have started to have a lot of discussions around the socio-emotional mental health of our really little kids the infant to to toddler and there was a study commission that's going to release Mm -hmm. some reports or some recommendations does has decal has participated in those we did so the um the study committee on infant toddler social emotional health led by chairman dempsey and they they've released their recommendations and the first recommendations is a is a infant toddler social emotional health coordinator 
position to be housed at DECAL. Um, you know, a lot of agencies are doing this work, um, but there's no coordination. And so I think, you know, at D, from DECAL's perspective, we want to stay in our lane as supporting um, teachers and providers and, and young students with those social emotional development skills. But a lot of times, there are needs that they have that we can't address, and that needs to be that needs to happen through either um, preschool special education at DOE or babies can't wait at DPH or behavioral health or DCH. So everybody's in it, but there's just no coordination. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I've, I've seen the recommendations. I haven't talked to the governor's office about it, um, and I don't know um, where it will go in the session. But there's some pretty strong recommendations about more coordination around infant and toddler social emotional health. And that leads sort of a little bit into the rural poverty, what we call endangering opportunity, which is issue eight. This idea around rural, this sort of access to mm-hmm. fill in the blank, um, you know, everything from AP classes to internet to high quality early learning, right. you know, and how do we support rural families and, and especially in terms of economic development, they're talking a lot about now of sort of grow your own workforce because mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to get people to move to rural communities who aren't who aren't from there and so what kinds of supports and services do we need to put into place and one would just be you know access to early care so you know mom and dad can go to work absolutely and then how do you support that workforce that's down there and so I know you guys have thought a lot about that but just this whole rural question what was interesting to us on the rural poverty one is that when you look at their k-12 outcomes they're very similar to the rest of the state they're graduating on time if not slightly higher average in the state population very few of them are going on to post-secondary. So we're wondering, like, what's going on there? Like, are there not? And so a lot of barriers to post-secondary, but we think a lot of the, you know, the, the literacy skills, the family supports, all of these things need to be, you know, addressed in rural. And that's another area similar to what you were talking about, where there's a lot of people looking at rural right now. Yeah. We've got a ton of different commissions all over the place. Absolutely. But there's no coordinating voice and really looking at what's that sort of educational pipeline from early learning through that post-sec completion mm-hmm. that they need that needs to be present there a lot of good topics here i don't I, we, could, we could go on for hours and hours um you know every year this is outstanding work by gpe and i think it's a great resource for folks so that education policy is overwhelming so it's nice that you kind of put it all in one place what the top 10 things that you think our state and our policymakers should should pay attention to i know the media um receives this right before the session but how else are you distributing it or how else can just our listeners find it so you can download an electronic copy from our website, www.gpee.org. We also distribute hard copies to each legislator. So during the, uh, the session, we, we make a trip over, and each representative and each senator will receive a copy. If you would like a hard copy, we have those available as well. Um, we will mail one for free, additional <laughs> copies. We just charge postage. Um, we have superintendents from across the state. Folks email us weeks in advance asking for multiple copies, so we'd be happy to mail those out for you. But if you're an e-reader, it is available online. As are those one-page summaries that yes. Robert gives for us, <laughs> which are the real keys. Keep, keep in mind, yeah. We do encourage uh, everybody. I know we just barely touched the surface today because of the limited time of a podcast, but we want you to go and take a look at the report. Uh, what if there are civic groups, community organizations, folks that want to try to get involved? Can they reach out to you, find out more? And is it possible for you to come and make presentations maybe to them? Absolutely. We we actually do that a lot. Um, In addition to our state-level policy work, we do a lot of community engagement work as well. And we'll work with uh, community leaders, either like the local chamber, local faith-based organizations, um, local community centers, to really bring the community together. And we'll really look at sort of 
community by community, like what's their like what does their workforce pipeline mm-hmm. look like? You right. know, where are they strong? Do they have good early learning, but things kind of fall apart in the post second? You know, what and really dig into their community landscape and try and help them figure out how to insulate their own pipeline. And we'd be happy to. Uh, so just send us an email. Great. All right. Well, you go to the website www.gpee.org. The full report. Get all the background. There's some great bios there on Dana and Robert. You can find out their story. Um, guys, thanks so much for the ongoing work. I'm so glad you've stuck with it, even while other states might have fallen away and come back again. Uh, but uh, we do encourage folks to go download the report, take a look at it, and contact you guys with any questions, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, all right. Thanks great. Thank you. Thanks Appreciate for being Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, my name is Tamia Woods with CAPS, and my question for the commissioner is, being that February is Black History Month, which influential person, along with Dr. Martin Luther King, had the most impact on the way you live, think, and work? Well, that's a great question as we celebrate uh, Black History Month, and I would say... um, Condoleezza Rice. Um, she is a, uh, a powerful, intelligent African-American woman that served under, um, under George Bush as his secretary of state um, and led national and international policy for our country and did a great job. And I also hear she's an accomplished pianist. I think she's a really, really impressive woman um, that is a great role model for all of us. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to our question this week. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. What was issue two in this year's top ten issues to watch? What was issue two in this year's top ten issues to watch? Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.